0: You're listening to a podcast from Stanford University's Center for the Study of Poverty and Inequality. I'm Diantha Parker. This week on the podcast, it's official. The recession that began in 2007 has now earned a capital R, and economists deem it severe enough and long enough to call it great, just like the Depression of the 1930s. But it's also notable for how much it's eaten away at household wealth.
1: Almost all groups uh, got adversely impacted by the Great Recession. The rich, the middle class, and the poor.
0: That's New York University economist Ed Wolfe. And new work he's done with Stanford's Collaboration for Poverty Research has uncovered some startling data about who's been hit hardest. If you'd asked that question in 2007, when the recession started, Wolf says, the answer might have been the very rich. They don't provoke much sympathy, but they did, and still do, control and hold much of the country's wealth. Wolf divides them into two groups, the ultra-rich, with investments of about $30 million or so, and the regular rich. Those people are also called high-net-worth individuals, and they're worth at least a million or so because the stock market plummeted in 2008 those groups took an early heavy hit and the economy followed according to numbers from Merrill Lynch Cap Gemini and Forbes wolf estimates these folks and the US economy lost a total of 2.6 trillion dollars just to put that number in perspective in 2009 2.6 trillion was almost the entire GDP of France Wolf says the stock market's mostly recovered now, and thus so of the rich themselves. But the wealth that was lopped off the top of the U.S. economy is still missed by the middle class and the poor. And Wolf says it's these groups who were really hit the hardest and are still far from recovery. That's partly because the middle class has most of its wealth in the real estate it owns. Wolf says prior to the Great Recession, say before 2007, a lot of middle class homeowners had taken out too much mortgage debt by refinancing too soon.
1: They were basically using their homes as uh, ATM machines. And uh, as a result, um, what we call their equity in their home, that's the difference between the value of the home and their outstanding mortgage debt, had gotten pretty low. So uh, what happened when the housing market collapsed uh, was that a lot of uh, families found that their um, outstanding mortgage debt was actually greater than the value of their home. And this term we use for that is being underwater. So that their uh, net equity in their homes was actually negative. So in other words, if they were to sell their homes they would not have enough money to pay back the bank, and uh, they would still be in debt.
0: Wolf found that in 2007, just over 1% of homeowners were underwater. But by 2009, more than 16% were. And some analysts think that number was even higher, more like 20%, which would mean that one in every five homeowners owed more debt on their home than that home was actually worth. That's still the case today, two years later, and what's also sobering is the cross-section of people in this situation. They could tick one or any number of the following boxes, African American, married couples, people with more than a high school education, and those with incomes between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year. The main thing they had in common was youth. Homeowners under the age of 35 were hit hardest, both by the housing collapse and by the Great Recession in general. The only other similarity they all shared was that the home they owned was also their sole investment, Wolf says.
1: The middle class, which had, uh, as I said, put most of its uh, eggs were in the housing basket, uh, really didn't have much else in the way of financial uh, resources to offset the impact of the uh, housing market decline.
0: So many filed, and are still filing, for bankruptcy, another trend Wolf looked at. Unfortunately, the bankruptcy laws changed in 2005 in ways that affected the middle class even more. In the past, going bankrupt meant that while your credit was ruined for quite a long time, it also meant that your debts were essentially cleared. Under the new law, that's not the case, so a lot of these folks still have their credit card and mortgage debts as well as bad credit. And Wolf says it gets worse for them.
1: Also means that a lot of their assets get seized, and so besides losing their home, most of them first go through foreclosure, and then, uh, then after that a lot of them go into bankruptcy, so of course a lot of them have already lost their homes, but they, they get their cars repossessed and a whole bunch of other assets, so uh, it's really uh, not a very happy situation.
0: Wolf says some of the other significant losers in the Great Recession were people in the middle class who were just about ready to retire. He found that between 2007 and 2009, the worth of 401ks and IRAs plunged about 30% in under two years. Wolf says the middle class was just not prepared for this.
1: Their retirement accounts went down so much that they no longer had the resources to retire and maintain an adequate uh, living standard, so uh, a lot of them um, have postponed retirement. A lot of these people had planned to retire when they were 64 or 65 even, and now they're postponing it until they're 67, 68. A lot of people are in such bad straits because of of the collapse of their retirement accounts that uh, they may never retire.
0: Wolf calls people just a few years away from retirement the threshold generation, baby boomers in their late 50s and early 60s. In general, people in this age group are living and working longer than they used to. Wolf says that might be good for many seniors, and for the economy as a whole.
1: But there are older uh, people who actually don't have jobs they particularly like, or who have uh, jobs that are physically demanding, and uh, that's that's very tough to do uh, when you're in your 60s and certainly in your 70s. So these people uh, really want to retire, and uh, now a lot of them can't.
0: In the past, Wolf says, many older people who worked jobs like this avoided this problem because they were entitled by law to what are still called defined benefit pensions. General Motors, for example, provided these pensions for its workers, and so do federal, local, and state governments. Wolf says many are quite generous.
1: Maybe too generous considering the uh, reactions in places like Wisconsin, But nonetheless, uh, they they provided quite generous support for retirees. Now, these programs have pretty much uh, disappeared, except for the public sector.
0: And so, in the private sector, most people have to rely on 401k-type retirement plans. Wolf thinks they're not enough, though. He and his colleagues have a plan for the government to make pensions universal again
1: to think about a system of uh, tax credits that would allow low-income workers and even those who don't work to set up retirement accounts. And these would be subsidized in part by the government. So this was our idea, and this would have been great. Um, It would help to alleviate a lot of the problems of inadequate income in retirement. But under the current fiscal situation, I'm not sure (laughs) that they have uh, much hope of moving forward.
0: It's not totally clear how existing policy can help with this. Wolf says the government has a few programs in place to help homeowners who are behind on their mortgages or facing foreclosure. But he finds that in 2009, there were close to 4 million households, or 1 in 45, in foreclosure, and that the government's only been able to help a few hundred thousand of them. He's pessimistic about more help from Washington, though, because of the current budget.
1: If uh, things turn around... <laughs> <laughs> things turn around in congress if uh i don't think anything is anything's going to happen in the next 2 years but uh uh 2012 who knows
0: despite a lot of talk about how the great recession is over and that hiring is up wolf says politicians should look to history before acting too hastily he says there was a recovery roughly 5 years after the great depression started 1934 or 1935 recovery was in sight output was growing and the unemployment rate was coming down. So lawmakers got excited.
1: They decided they wanted to balance their budget, and they started to cut back on government spending and raise taxes, and uh, that sort of was uh, the death knell for that recovery. One just hopes that if this normal process of recovery happens, you just hope that the uh, government does not do something stupid to stop it.
0: Wolf worries that if we raise taxes and cut spending now, the recovery we're in could stop that might set off a new downturn, leading to what's known as a double-dip recession. He thinks that's a real possibility, which would mean the full recovery, that right now looks to be about five years away, might take ten years. And it would take even longer than that for the poor and middle class to recover from the Great Recession as the rich have already done. You've been listening to a podcast from Stanford University's Center for the Study of Poverty and Inequality. Our funding comes from the Elfenworks Foundation. Our music is by Pharos. The editor of this podcast series is Christopher Weimer, and I'm Diantha Parker. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next time.